changes in culture, the economy, and even tax laws. How is charitable giving affected, and what are the trends we see emerging? Pursuing God-honoring responsible stewardship in governance, financial accountability, and fundraising. Welcome to the Excellence in Ministry podcast from ECFA. Welcome to another Excellence in Ministry podcast. I'm so excited today because we have a special guest that we've been almost hiding on the church side of ECFA's work. You may have heard from him on a couple of things, including a recent webinar, but today we get to spend some dedicated time with our newest vice president, Dr. Warren Bird, who heads our research efforts. Warren, thank you for joining us today and for allowing us to gain from your work and insights as it relates to giving. Vana, I'm excited to be with you. Let's uh, look. We've got some fun things to cover. Well, I I appreciate the fact that you see these as fun. I think a lot of people wouldn't think about that on the surface, but we're going to ask some questions and we're going to learn why you think it's fun because you've got a lot of information. So uh, let's start with telling us about a recent quick poll that ECFA conducted. What was that? And just what were some of the takeaways from that? Well, we wanted to ask people, how did 2018 end and 2019 begin? And and we thought, well, that will give us kind of a sense of pulse for what 2019 is looking at. And of course, everybody wants to know, well, are we normal? You know, we were up, we were down, but, you know, others like us, was it unusual or is that pretty typical? And, and hopefully we began to find some things like that. And did you find that there is a normal? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, we, we, like one of the questions we asked was December giving. And we said, tell us how you ended 2018 versus how you ended 2017. And, and we only gave three options. Either 2018 December was higher than the previous year, or it was about the same as the year before, or it was lower. And, uh, and the happy news is that 48% said it was higher than how the previous year ended. 18% said it's about the same, and 34% said it was lower. And we had done a similar poll a year before this, and the numbers were likewise. Actually, it was 48% again that uh, said December now of 2017 was higher. And all that to say, it looks like ministries are, are, in general, able to position themselves with a little stronger base. Excellent. At the same time, I think you asked a question about if your organization had a decrease in giving, what would happen? Yeah. Okay, so let me give you the exact question. What would be the impact on your organization if 2019 represented an overall decrease in giving from 2017. So in other words, if the boat rocked at a 3% rate from different from what you were expecting, how could you handle it? Again, only three options. Uh, One is I don't know, so we'll throw that one out. Uh, The the one that got 50% answers was we would have adequate reserves to cover the decrease. And in fact, Vana, we asked that same question a year previously, and only 37% said we would have adequate reserves to cover the decrease. 
So I translate that as a sense of optimism that uh, that we're in a little stronger position uh, as we're continuing to recover from the 08 recession and, and as there's been a good run of, uh, of giving and growth over recent years since then. That's really encouraging, and I would agree. It seems like that's a... Um result that we can draw from that. You also spoke um, when you did a webinar recently, and I think maybe from the poll, about the difference in large donors and small donors. Uh, What can we expect or what are we seeing in the differences in those segmentation of donors? Vana, let me go to BlackBaud, which is BlackBaud, B-A-U-D, institute.com. And they surveyed 9,029 nonprofits. So that was the biggest online giving uh, and overall giving data anywhere on charities in the nonprofit sector. And it found that for 2018, charitable giving overall in in the United States increased 1.5% on a year-over-year basis. So they're affirming that that giving was slightly up, uh, higher than the previous year. But in that gain is a concern, and this is what you're asking about. Large organizations grew by 2.3%, and small organizations experienced a decrease of 2.3%. And that points to something that ECFA has seen in its uh, uh, the ministries that it certifies, that larger ministries have tended to have more positive uh, donations than the smallest ministries. Well, and what you're referring to was the state of giving report that we did. And we saw, to me, what's really encouraging when you compare it to this black bod, because we saw that ECFA accredited organizations had a significantly higher increase in year over year giving, correct? Yes. Okay, 5.9% if you want to be precise. Oh, well, you know, let's not exaggerate now, Warren. (laughs) (laughs) Well, numbers are our friends, uh, but they sure can get muddy if you get uh, too much in the weeds. But but yes, one one thing I'd love to dig at at some point is does ECFA certification, does that tend to bring in more donations than, you know, non-ECFA certified uh, ministries? But that's for another day. The state of giving, which by the way, is free download, ecfa.org slash state of giving, um, tried to cover a 10-year trend and tried to look at, at uh, recent developments. And yes, overall, we saw that there was uh, more, uh, a higher rate of giving. But we also put a table in there that shows giving by ministry size. In other words, we took different income, um, total income levels and we looked at the giving received there, and the smallest, the under million, one million dollar uh, ministries, uh, both last in the last reported year and in the five year spread before that, were less and even uh, slightly negative uh, in their donation growth than uh, the larger ministries. Well, and we see that I think consistently throughout ECFA. 
even as we look at new organizations that are coming in and organizations that are either merging or folding, you know, a lot of the smaller organizations are just struggling. And that's been uh, consistent. That wasn't like a one time anomaly. We've seen that for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we hope to track. And then also just back to this uh, ECFA.org state of giving, we break down by ministry sectors. So, you know, you may say, but we're into pregnancy counseling uh, ministries. Well, how did they do over the last reported year or over the last five years? And we graph all that out. So I I hope that's a help to you to know back to what we discussed uh, earlier, you know, how typical are we for other ministries like us? Excellent. And I'm good at rabbit trail. So we're going to go down that one for just a moment. If you don't have the answer in front of you, it's not a problem. You've told the listeners where they can get the information. But from the different industries or or the different niches within that report, do you recall some of them that were doing quite well and had seen some good increases in contributions over either this period or the last couple of periods? Uh, yes, Vanna, there there was quite a spread. At the top um, was medical, dental, and health service ministries. And uh, both last year, uh, their average was about six, the last reporting year was about uh, 12%. And over the five-year period leading up to our reporting year, uh, it was 9%. So uh, they were the highest category, if you will, uh, after that second highest was camps and conferences. After that was adoption ministries. After that was leadership training ministries. After that was student and youth ministries. And again, this this whole thing is charted out for you. And then we, we went all the way down, I don't know, 20 some odd different ministries and, uh, and to give their ranking and position. Well, I think that is helpful. And you're right. Everyone, it doesn't matter if it's an individual or a ministry. Everyone wants to know how do we compare. You know, it's a student in school wants to know who the smartest kid in, is in class and how did they do on the test. Well, we're kind of the same way with all of the data that we collect and analyze in our ministry. So I think that can be extremely helpful. Thank you for that. With the Blackbaud report, I believe that they also gave information on December as far as the largest giving month. And there were a couple of insights that you had from that as well. Could you talk briefly about that? Yeah, it, it has to do with online giving. And, and what it means is the growth in online giving is reducing the surges in donations that typically occur in December and in June, and instead is being spread out across the year. So let me give an analogy from church world. In many churches, the so-called summer slump has disappeared because of the rise of online giving. So even though people are physically away from church, they have this recurring gift. uh, And if a church has 60, 70%, uh, which we're hearing in many places, um, of their giving coming online, then they don't nearly feel a pinch in the summer because it's evenly spread out and people are consistent. That's what's happening to other ministries as well, that these December gifts, yes, are still occurring, but not at the same uh, surge level, and it's being spread across the year. And that online giving is, I'm assuming, kind of the monthly ACH transactions, the 
credit card transactions, kind of an electronic form of giving is all included in that. Yes, that is all included. Now, the Blackboard report doesn't break down to uh, how much of each category, but I can tell you this from my church research, that if people say, well, you know, we really don't want to do the credit card giving because then we have to pay a percent uh, to the credit card company, and, you know, this is the Lord's uh, work, and and we hate to detract from it. Well, two things. First, um, research says that consistent giving, even if a, a small cut goes to the credit card or processing company, uh, ends up being, and I'm going to be crass, more money received than um, than if you didn't offer that option. And second, many ministries down at the bottom put a little line that says, you know, uh, just so you know, if you use credit card, you know, they're going to charge us X percent. Would you like to add an extra donation uh, to cover that uh, credit card processing amount? And I think that's a great idea. I mean, the worst that can happen is nobody says yes. The best that can happen is people do. Well, and I am seeing that more and more. I think you're starting to see a lot of ministries that are doing that. And like you said, if you've got somebody who's giving, say, $100 a month, well, if they give $100 for 12 months and you've even got a 3% fee, you know, that's $36. But if you don't do that and they miss a month, you just lost $100. So I'm in your example there, it certainly makes economic sense. an accountant who can do numbers quickly. Yes, Bonna, you're absolutely right on. And I'll have you know, I did that without a 10 key in front of me too. So somebody probably should check it. (laughs) Well, let's move over to another uh, research result that you talked about a little bit, and that was the Association of Fundraising Professionals. Uh, They also did some national research, and you had some results from that that I found interesting. Can you speak to that? Sure, yes. What they looked at was charitable revenue in 2018, and they found that, uh, again, this split in donations, that donations of at least $1,000 increased by 2.5%, but donations under $250 decreased by 4.5%. And that's, again, the Association of Fundraising Professionals, if you want to Google that to get more on their report. But by and large, they're saying that for better or worse, um, larger donations are being received more. Now, is that because um, nonprofits aren't cultivating those uh, midstream donors or beginning donors? Uh, We don't know, but that's what the trend is. Excellent. Well, you play in the numbers all the time, and we've thrown out a lot of different studies here and a lot of different information about giving. And that's really what the point of this month's podcast was, was to give ministries some insight as to what's going on. And I love the fact that we were able to do that, you know, both from a quick poll that we had done and from the state of giving that ECFA did, but as well as from some of these outside sources as well. So let me pull back from the numbers for just a minute and just broadly, what are some of the things that stand out most to you? If you were listening as a ministry leader, Warren, what would you really focus on? What do you see as significant or or maybe that you're either excited or concerned about? Let me say two. First, um, one discovery that I've been able to make is that 
charity researchers have found that giving goes hand in hand with the Standard and Poor uh, 500. As it increases, donations increase. As it decreases, donations don't. Uh, on the human level, there's there's nothing we can do besides prayer, uh, other than know that you know if the economy's well, people are going to have more resources uh, to work with. So that's that's a, a helpful thing to monitor. The the other side I wanted to say is this intentional cultivation of donors is really really important. Let me let me give a church analogy. The first time someone gives to a church is a spiritual statement. It's a discipleship statement. And uh, and if you and what I'm saying could be applied to any ministry leader. I just happen to to have some numbers and experiences more in the church world. But but to have a letter that goes to that first time donor thanking them for for that spiritual step. The, the second time a person gives uh, to that same church uh, is also making a statement, several statements of, uh, of interest and, and potential commitment. But now it's time to begin an education to, for the church to write to say, you know, we, we have this thing called the general fund, the ministry fund, the whatever, and that's, that's our core fund. And we have this thing called the benevolence fund or the mission, uh, missions fund. And, and this is what these different funds do. And, and as the Lord leads you to give to the ministry, you know, we'd like to help you know kind of what the options are and, and how it works. And that level of education uh, and and then you know maybe a third letter a while later of you know here's the here's the pie and how it's sliced up in terms of how the money comes in and how it goes out. The more intentional ministries are today with with educating people, the more they respond. They they increasingly research says don't want to just throw money into a pot, but they want to give to somewhere they trust, and that's where ECFA comes in and helping build that trust. Uh, but 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 a ministry they can know about, pray about, and understand a bit of where their money goes. Well, and that, it's interesting because what came to mind as you were saying that comes up in so many different topics that we talk about, and that's really how communication plays such a vital role. So in what you've just said, if you communicate back with the donors— that will facilitate, you know, a relationship with the ministry that impacts giving, uh, which will then flow into some of the things that we've talked about today. But that's just a really great insight to think about. Uh, Vanna, let me tag on to that. Uh, one of the surging trends uh, from 2018 that is certain to grow in 2019 is the use of donor-advised funds. Uh, Dan Busby used the word, it's exploding, and it's not just one or two years, it's been over several years. And and the question comes up, okay, when you give to a donor-advised fund, you get your tax deduction at that point from the donor-advised fund. So then when you, you say to the fund, All right, I want you to give to this ministry or that ministry from the fund, uh, the ministry doesn't need to write you back because it's it's a you know, it's already been taxed um, uh, for chair. Oh, help me out. Oh, You've already gotten your deductible here. receipt from the other organization. Thank you. Thank I'm here you. for you, Warren. <laughs> All right. But 
the ministry would be wise to write the person and say, we, we got this, we want to thank you, because it's just as much an expression of giving to God through that ministry, if you do it, channel it through the donor advice fund, as otherwise. And so don't overlook, however the money comes or the gifts come, don't overlook the time, that as an opportunity to build and strengthen that relationship. Absolutely. Well, let me step away from contributions and giving for a moment before we close and just give our listeners a little insight as to some of the research that you've been working on for ECFA, if you don't mind. Well, thanks to many people who are listening to us today. They took part in a nonprofit government survey. What makes a board effective or even better? How can a board be more effective? And, uh, you know, what do CEOs or the chairs uh, say versus what the members say? What's typical in terms of board size and tenure? Um, people graciously gave us time. And instead of giving you this one overwhelming but richly filled report, we thought we'd roll it out in segments. So we've just rolled out the first one. And it's available on the uh, ECFA.org website. And we will be rolling this out. Now, those of you who took the survey, you get, you're the first to hear. You get an email to say, here's so far report number one. And, uh, and uh, depending on when you listen to this, others will be uh, rolling out. And, uh, uh, but if you didn't participate in the survey, or if you don't remember, because it was fall of uh, 2018, uh, come to the ECFA website or make sure you are subscribed to Nonprofit Pulse, which will announce each one. Wonderful. Well, that also reminds me that we need to talk for just a moment about the fact that 2019, we've kind of dubbed the year of excellence and governance. And so that's one of the things that we're doing. We've got a number of books that are coming out, and then we'll have some of the webinars and podcasts this year that are geared towards that governance topic and then culminate this fall with some governance forums that we're doing across the country. So I think we promised you, Warren, when you came on staff that you would not be bored. I'm guessing that so far we have fulfilled that promise. Is that true? I am a kid in a toy shop and the best is yet to come and I can't wait to put resources in people's hands and we love the feedback that you give us to say, I like this, this was especially helpful or not. And uh, just know that we are eager to serve you and help you honor Christ in your planning, your governance, especially for this year at least, uh, and everything else you do. Well, you know, I was going to end by saying thank you, Warren, for sharing your passion and expertise with us today. And I think that you just made my point. You are passionate about this, and we are blessed to have you here to share that passion and gifting with ministry. So you've made this really relevant in this conversation that we've just had and interesting, which not everyone could do. So congratulations on that. But trust me when I say the listeners and I are glad for what you do and that God has given you that gifting. And to our listeners, I would say thank you for tuning in today. We look forward to being with you again soon for another Excellence in Ministry podcast.